Hi, and welcome to the Samuel Emanuel Movie Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Manny Manuel, And I'm Sam Reimer. Oh, hello, good sir. How are you? I'm good. Apparently better than you. You've uh, got a little bit of, uh, of what is it, the sniffles or yeah. uh, some cough going on? I don't know what I got, but uh, it's, it's kicking my ass, that's for sure. Throat's a little closed off, got a little bit of a cough, feel like a bag of smashed assholes. It's gonna the be show a, must go on, though. The show must go on. I would. I the would. people demand the Samuel and Manuel movie podcast goes on, and God damn it, we will give the people what they want. All ten of them. I will All not. I will not. Are not, we up to ten? I think so. <laughs> wow. I should check. I actually haven't checked in a while. We'll check. Yeah, we'll check after we're done recording here. Okay, for sure. <laughs> Anything um, under ten, I'll be disappointed. I know. I know. Right now, I set the bar so high. <laughs> Um, this week we're going to be discussing our, uh, five favorite Tom Hanks performances. So as a reminder, that means that we're actually choosing the performance, not a Tom Hanks movie. Cause those will be in my, in my, on my list, those will be two completely different lists. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Also worth noting the word favorite in top five favorite performances, because there are some on here where... I don't think the performance is objectively better than, say, the one below it, but I do enjoy Tom Hanks' performance and or the movie a little bit more, or it's uh, I've seen it more, or it's meant more to me as as a performance or as a movie. So uh, those things will also be have to be taken into effect when uh, judging our lists here. 100%. Uh, before we get into that... <coughs> oh, sorry. God, that was gross. Before there we get... Yeah, I know, right? Before we get into that, uh, I got some great feedback on our Villains episode from a couple of our listeners. Um, they, uh, the, the resounding uh, feedback I got was they were absolutely fucking pissed that I uh, left the Joker off of my list. Yep. <laughs> I, that's completely, <laughs> completely shared sentiment. <laughs> yeah, and, and I get it. I get it. Everyone loves uh, the Heath Ledger Joker, but uh, his... It's not. I'm not taken away from his performance or the villainy he provided. He just. Uh, it didn't. Uh, just couldn't crack my top five. You don't need to keep justifying yourself. <laughs> the people have decided they hate you. <laughs> true enough. True enough. It's because they're uh, they're all ageists. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but a couple of the characters that uh, the people I've talked to um, that didn't make either one of our lists um, were, of course, the uh, the Sith Lord himself, uh, Darth Vader. Yeah, um, I the, knew that one would be uh, a big point of contention for a lot of people. But honestly, when you think about it, like, to be fair, Darth Vader has had like what seven movies that he's appeared in that he's had the benefit of being fleshed out, and three of them honestly aren't great. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, and if you think back to um, <clears throat> the original Star Wars when it uh, when it originally came out, a lot of the iconic stuff isn't there like in in the first star wars he was still totally badass but like most people love him for the stuff that goes on in empire so i that's what took away from him for me was that he had the benefit of six or seven movies to be fleshed out and uh you know there are other villains that i just like better it's just the way it is i won't lie uh it's actually probably because of the prequels that he didn't yeah. make my list that mm -hmm. really really fucking sullied his legacy with me yeah he played by that kid who have you heard the rumors that uh george lucas cast the kid who played anakin in the first one because he wanted to get leonardo dicaprio but uh he turned him down oh, no so he got a kid who looked like a younger leonardo dicaprio uh, well yeah. it was just an awful awful actor yeah i remember that uh when they were getting ready to uh film the second one um 
Attack of the Clones. Yeah. Um, I, I can't remember some of the other names being bandied about, but the one that actually intrigued me um, was Ryan Philippe. I think he would have made a good Darth Vader or, or a good Anakin Skywalker. Right. All the things that could have been, but instead we got Hayden, I hate sand Christensen. Whatever. Let's, okay, let's move off of that. I, I, I hate to talk about the fucking prequels. Um, the other two uh, that, uh, that people uh, really loved were uh, Bill the Butcher from Gangs of New York. Yep. Fantastic movie. Um, oh. I, we've already talked ad infinitum about uh, Sir Daniel Day Lewis and the legend, the living legend that he is. Um, I, I'm not sure. I've only seen Gangs of New York probably about once. It was a couple of years back, so maybe yeah, that could definitely warrant a rewatch. I think. Um, you're you're gonna have to rewatch it pretty soon, anyways. Oh yes, true. Upcoming show. <laughs> That's right. Um, and then the other one um, that was actually one of my last cuts is Annie Wilkes from Misery, which I actually still haven't seen. Oh, you've oh. been telling me to watch that one for a while. I think. Haven't yeah, you? I wonder if it's actually. I wonder if you're gonna have to watch it. I don't think Misery was nominated for Best Picture. It'll be interesting. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, okay. Uh, so I want to thank everybody for uh, for giving me the feedback on the villains episode. It, it seemed to be quite popular. People really liked it, um, and I love again. I love hearing from all of you. So um, please contact us. You can email us at uh, sammannymoviepodcast at gmail dot com. Uh, you can contact us through Facebook, uh, and then my friends have just been sending me text messages. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, just take just a, a few seconds to give us a, a five-star rating if you think we warrant it. And a little review will actually help increase our profile and help uh, sucker more people into listening to our podcast. Um, so let's get into what we've been watching this week. Uh, Sam, have you been watching anything this week besides the homework for this assignment? Yeah, so mostly I've, I've been a little bit movied out recently, as, as it is to say. I did a whole lot of movie watching uh, for the week leading up to Infinity War, up to and including Infinity War, because I went to see that twice, as did you. Um, watched a couple of these movies this week. All I've really been watching outside of that uh, has been a couple of TV shows. So I've continued watching The Office, currently a couple episodes into season four. Um, I watched a couple episodes of Rick and Morty, because that's one of those shows you can just sit down and watch and uh, not have to worry about where you are in the plot. You can just pick an episode at random. Um, and speaking I, of which, and sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, no um, but but I was actually um, I can't remember where I was where I heard it, but it, they brought up a good point and and um, how serialized TV has become. You can no longer sure. just watch any episode of a show like you could back in the day, like Cheers or something like uh, like Night Court or something like that. You could just watch any episode and it didn't matter. Could you imagine trying to watch like season three, episode five of Breaking Bad, like just tuning yeah. into it? It would Not make no sense. It is, sort of a, it is sort of a lost art, the art of just making a self-contained 20-minute, half-hour episode. Um, a lot of my favorite shows these days, as you mentioned, Breaking Bad, very serialized, especially like dramas, but even comedies recently. I mean, you think back to the 90s, Seinfeld, you could kind of watch uh, any episode without really giving uh, thought to the plot. And that, But even something as recent as Friends, which was around the same time as Seinfeld, a little bit after, um, already gets a little bit serialized. You kind of yep. need to know what's going on episode to episode. Yeah, pretty much. And uh, Rick and Morty is sort of unique in that sense now. Is They kind of got away from that in the recent season, but first two seasons especially, you can literally just sit down and watch any episode and know exactly what's going on, which is a definite plus. Nice. 
Um, and sorry, so I didn't I didn't mean to cut you off. You were talking about. Oh, no, I think I think that's just about it. I've just been outside of that. It's been uh, it's been Tom Hanks central and MCU central around here. So that's just about it for me. But uh, what have you been watching? Well, I went and saw Avengers: Infinity War for a third time. Nice. Yeah. Still good. It, it was still fantastic. <laughs> Um, um, have we already talked about just briefly, like, do you want to do like a off the top of your head ranking of where you've put it, where you'd put it or even like a, a ballpark, like upper third, middle third or upper third for sure. Yeah. Upper third for sure. But you don't want to put a number on it. So I'm putting in the upper third of like the entire MCU. Yeah. Okay. So upper third. So that would put it in the top seven. So it mm -hmm. might even crack my top five. I would probably put it. I think it probably cracked my top five. Mm -hmm. It would probably crack my top five, really honestly, based on the strength of Thanos. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, Was that only on the strength of Thanos. So you have you M mostly on the strength of Thanos. Mostly on the strength of Thanos, and actually, probably mostly on the strength of Thanos and the humor in it. Yeah. Um. And the incredible, the incredible fight scenes—they were—they were really well done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm easily putting it top five. I think probably even top three for me. I enjoyed the crap out of it, but obviously further rewatches will be needed. Yeah, I need a little bit more time away from it for me to have a, a final standing on it. Yep. Could... As with all, as with all movies, I, the best way to figure out where it stands is is time. Because if you remember, I mean, to not to get back on the prequels, but episode one drops and it's a hit like people loved it and they got great reviews and same with movies like indiana jones uh, kingdom of the crystal skull there's fantastic reviews upon its release and it both was? Of those movies I, sh I shouldn't say fantastic but like decent reviews and i'm pretty sure ebert gave it a uh, pretty pretty decent rating no way if, if i remember correctly off the I, top of my head i remember that movie getting panned Really? Yes. I, I seem to recall, at, at the very least, Roger Ebert giving that a good review and generally getting sort of lukewarm to good reviews. I could be misremembering that. I don't know if you're currently looking that up or I anything. <laughs> fucking what? 65 on Metascore? Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. yeah. Indiana Jones, King of the Crystal Skull, 65 on Metascore. If I remember correctly, that is higher or around the same level as the Prestige. Fucking hell. I'm just remembering that from the Christopher Nolan episode that we did. I think the Prestige was sitting around 66-ish. I want to rewatch yeah, that. Anyway, that's that's, that's sort of a tangent. I'm gonna fucking rewatch that because in my mind that movie fucking blows. What King of the Crystal Skull? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, it blows. <laughs> that's just the the point I'm trying to make is that I think those are the initial reviews, and then as time goes on, you know, opinions can change. Sort of. Not that I'm saying that Infinity War isn't gonna age well. It's just the true. Uh, true greatness of a movie lies in its legacy. Fucking 65 on Metascore for that <laughs> fucking piece of shit. I remember hating that piece of shit when I saw, oh god, I don't want to go, okay, we're, we're getting off topic yeah. here. No, that was, I was still, I was still pretty young when that movie came out. That was around what, 07, 08? Yeah, right. Sometime around then. So I was probably about 10 or 12 years, or around 10, 11, 12 years old, and I remember when the spaceship comes up at the end, spoiler alert. Uh, oh, I spoil the shit out of it. Let's try and get people not to watch that piece of shit. <laughs> So yeah, it, it turns out to be aliens all along, and there's a spaceship at the end. And I remember when the spaceship came out of the ground. It was the first movie that went. That doesn't make any fucking sense for for me. Oh, yeah, that was a, not a pleasant theater experience going to see King with the Crystal Skull with my dad back in the day. Oh, fucking great. I'm sorry. Uh, this was all all off a tangent off you saying you went to go see Infinity War again. Yeah. 
yeah. But uh, yeah, what what else have you been watching, sir? Um, <clears throat> I've been rewatching, or not? Sorry, not rewatching. Catching up on my uh, beloved uh, CW superhero shows. Uh, right. I, again, I won't talk about them um, because I don't think anybody should really watch them um, <laughs> because they're pro- they're not really that good. But they, I absolutely fucking love them. They bring me nothing but joy and smiles. Um, but I watched a couple, uh, two other movies. Um, a movie that. Again, in all honesty, I, I'm not going to call it a guilty pleasure because the movie itself isn't necessarily bad, um, but it's it's from 1993. It is a, it's a very old movie, um, and it's it's definitely made. It's called Dragon, the Bruce Lee story, and it's it tells the life of Bruce Lee, but it it's extremely fictionalized. Um, it is not the kind of uh, biopic that will be made today. Today, they really show the warts and all in biopics, and this does not really get into that. Um, but the performance by Jason Scott Lee, who plays Bruce Lee, no relation, um, is touching. And the chemistry between him and Lauren Hawley, who you would know from Dumb and Dumber. I would know Lauren Holly from Dumb and Dumber. Um, their chemistry is actually really good. Um, there's, like I said, it is highly fictionalized, um, but um, I, I really enjoy this movie. Um, it is on Netflix right now. If anybody does want to check it out, uh, it's a pretty easy watch. Uh, it is two hours, but it, it does go by pretty quick. Um, but again, please don't think that this is a really how Bruce Lee's life really happened. It is, <laughs> it is. Very, very fictionalized. They really over-dramatize a lot of things, and you know they, they do want him to show off his kung fu, so he fights a lot more people in this movie than he did in real life. But it's uh, I really liked this movie. Um, but again, like if I, if I look at it from a critical standpoint, it's not that great. But it's not – I would never classify it as guilty pleasure because it's not a bad movie that I love. Um, it's just a movie I like, and it, but it's not cheesy. It's not, it's not a horrible film. But compared it's to right in that uncanny valley between B movies and decent movies, it's it's sort of it's like it's not ba- easily classified. Yeah, it's it's basically like a decent movie. It's not a B movie because B movie to me it starts getting campy and stuff like that. In yeah. my opinion of what a B movie is, oh, I um, agree. This is just like it's like a it's a decent movie. Again, if somebody's looking for me to recommend something to watch, this is not what I would recommend. Um, but if you're interested in Bruce Lee and getting a general vague idea of the way his life went then check out this movie um but like i said the chemistry between uh jason scott lee and lauren holly is actually really good um and then the other movie i've been watching um is draft day um interesting because i know you're you're not a you're not a football fan uh, i'm not a football fan at all but i am a huge kevin costner fan i the guy just charms the pants off me and uh this movie if, again, if you look at it from a critical standpoint, it's not that great. Um, but um, I always like—I don't know—I just really like this movie. The, the the hard part for me to under that to to really let go is the actual kind of climactic ending. Um, it doesn't really make much sense. Uh, I'm a little meh on it, um, but kind of everything leading up to it. Uh, is really great. Um, it you know it stars a couple people I really like, such as Kevin Costner, uh, Chadwick Boseman, um, who I love, aka BoJack Horseman. Yeah, Chadwick <laughs> Boseman. <laughs> I just I just love I just love substituting his name in. 
anyway. <laughs> it does have, <coughs> unfortunately, it does have Jennifer Garner in it, who's fucking atrocious in everything she does. Um, but I, I, I have no idea. Um, and on a completely unrelated note, because when I first saw this movie and when I, I liked it when I saw it, I didn't realize um, that one of the um, actors in the movie uh, is a podcaster that I love. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. His name's uh, his name's Griffin Newman. Uh, he plays Rick the Intern. Uh, in draft day, and he is the host of one of my favorite podcasts uh, called Blank Check. So he uh, he's also the uh, the lead or the co lead in the new Amazon Prime series The Tick. Mm. Um, but yeah, the first time I watched Draft Day, I hadn't listened to his podcast, uh, and then after I started listening to the podcast, uh, he makes a couple references to having done a movie with Kevin Costner, and they mentions Draft Day, and I was like, oh my god, that's my podcasting. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking him up right now, and I don't really recognize him or anything that he's in off the top of my head. Apparently, he's also a comedian, but yeah, don't don't really know him for much. I don't. No, think. he's not. He's not super famous. Like him getting the tick recently, um, which th- I think they just started filming season two, um, is the biggest role he's ever had. Yeah. Um, but as a podcaster, the guy's fucking unreal. Uh, I fucking love that podcast. Um, so yeah, but that's what I've been watching: Draft Day and and Dragon the Bruce Lee story. Um, so let's get into our lists. Uh, like we started off at the top of the show, these are our favorite uh, five. Oh God, sorry. Take your time. <laughs> <coughs> these are our favorite five Tom Hanks performances, uh, not the ones that we think are the best, but our favorite. Because again, if this was the best. The list would definitely be different on my end. Um, and then also these are, are the performances themselves, not the films. Um, because if we ranked our favorite to- five Tom Hanks films, this would be a very different list as well. Um, spoiler alert or whatever, uh, and Sam and I had discussed this prior, uh, I am not counting his voice acting work in the Toy Story trilogy as a performance. You can argue me on the, all the, the point all you want, but it's our list, our show. We're making the rules. Yeah. So no voice acting means no Toy Story one, two, three, no Polar Express, and no cameo in the Simpsons movie. <laughs> Correct. I am relatively certain none of those would have made my list anyway. The best parts of those movies are not the performances, but I won't lie. I won't lie. I I took the Toy Stories out because they definitely would have made my list. Really? Yeah. I huh. I fucking I love Tom Hanks in those. Well, yeah, I mean, they're a ton of fun. The voice cast in that movie is a ton of fun. I just don't know if I if I would have absolutely gone that route, but, I mean, maybe we can discuss that later, perhaps. <clears throat> um, did you want to get started with this, or were you wanting me to take the lead and do my number five as well? I'll go first. <laughs> what was that noise? That was me kind of whining about uh, how shitty I feel. Yeah, I don't really know what that was. But yeah, okay. You can uh, you can fire away with number five. All right. My number five perform- favorite Tom Hanks performance is from the 1993 drama Philadelphia, where he plays Andrew Beckett. That is also my number five. No way! Yeah, it is. <laughs> I actually I just watched this movie. I, I mentioned I had watched a couple of uh, Tom Hanks movies this week in prep. And Philadelphia was one that I knew I had to watch because I'd never seen it before. 
Oh. I had never seen Philadelphia before. And I just watched it today for the first time. You wa- you watched it today and it, it today. and it makes your list. And it makes my list. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> that yeah, is... there, were, there were a couple that it had to bump off there that were tough. It was a really good performance. I have issues with it as well, which we can touch on, but uh, with this being your supposedly your time uh you can take the lead on this if you like actually i would actually love it if you took the lead since you've watched it more recently than i i actually was going to try and watch this uh last night but i felt like utter poop and decided to go to sleep instead um so why don't you take the lead on this one since it's more fresh in your mind and and i'll uh, i'll add the color commentary on it Mm -hmm. so as a whole i mean philadelphia i really enjoyed as a movie obviously we're here to talk about the performance rather than the whole thing but as a brief background on the on the movie, I don't have the plot synopsis uh, I got it. in front of me right here. Yeah, I got it. Beautiful. Okay. Um, Philadelphia in 1993, uh, directed by Jonathan Demme. Um, plot synopsis. When a man with HIV is fired by his law firm because of his condition, he hires a homophobic small-time lawyer as the only willing advocate for a wrongful dismissal suit. So maybe why I didn't have this even higher on my list. I mean, A, because I had just seen it for the first time and – as we had mentioned, greatness comes with uh, time to simmer a little bit, time to incubate and get your thoughts in order. Um, a- another reason might be I actually wasn't as riveted by the movie as a whole as I maybe expected to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I-, I just thought that um, a lot of the conflict that m- maybe I just had the wrong expectations, not necessarily high expectations, but the wrong expectations. Because I was expecting it to be a little bit more drama within his sort of family and inner circle and struggling to fit in. It was a lot more political and big picture than that. So I, I just felt like the conflict was sort of lacking when it came to like him and Antonio Banderas or even the conflict between him and Denzel Washington wasn't totally well developed, I didn't think. I just realized that this movie is older than you are. Yes, it is. This movie came out in 1993. I was born in 1996. Jesus, fuck. <laughs> this movie is 24 years old. Um... <laughs> I, and I can understand that, especially coming from your viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things about this movie, this was the first movie to really tackle AIDS head-on. Yes. Um, and it was a big deal back then. I, I remember this distinctly. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people were worried that this was going to kill Tom Hanks' career, for him to play to even play a gay man like this and with HIV. This was a huge yeah. thing. In, it was huge in 93. Huge. Yeah. I... I... <laughs> I knew sort of a little bit about the context in which this movie was released. I know it was one of the first to handle sort of uh, gay rights and uh, the HIV ep- epidemic. It was one of the first to tackle those. So I wasn't expecting uh, I wasn't expecting it to go too in-depth or anything like that. Like, there's maybe one scene where Antonio Banderas and Tom Hanks kiss, and it's like a greeting. It's not like a big romantic thing. It's like they meet up at the hospital and they have a little peck on the cheek or something like that. It's very non-intimate in that regard. There are a couple very emotional moments between them as they're as they're saying goodbye and things like that. Um, but the the drama in the movie more so comes from the court case, which I think it that might be the source of my confusion and not dislike, but why it's not why this performance isn't higher on this list. Is I just had the wrong sort of expectation. It was a lot more of a courtroom drama than anything else, and I yeah, didn't expect that. Totally, I, I, that's awesome. I'm 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 so happy that you watched this and, and that mm-hmm. after one viewing, it it's already cracked your list. That's fucking wicked. Yeah, I mean, as far as Tom Hanks' performance goes, he, I mean, it, it's really the core of the movie. Uh, in in a lot of ways, I think Denzel Washington's character is more interesting than Tom Hanks's. Um, at times, I did kind of feel like Andrew Beckett, played by Tom Hanks, is a little bit of a Mary Sue. He didn't have a whole lot of character flaws or anything. 
but as far as the performance of the character goes i thought it was really good he, uh tom hanks plays the deterioration really well so he at the beginning of the movie he, he's not fine but he's just at the beginning of the onset of his symptoms a little bit um and i thought the the scenes of him uh sort of struggling to hide uh his his lesions and things like that were really good uh, a lot of these scenes are played for comedy funnily enough like when he first uh or the second time he meets denzel washington denzel says hey haven't seen you in a while what happened to your face and tom Hanks says i have aids and it's just a long awkward silence after <laughs> I, I, yeah, was... and you notice that, like, I remember that scene because Denzel, mm -hmm. like, looks at his hand because yeah, they just absolutely. shook hands and, and he, yeah. like, he kind of tries to kind of casually wipe it off. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that's how people felt about AIDS back then because we didn't fully understand it. Like, we didn't yeah. know, we didn't, we knew that it, it was only a sexually transmitted disease, but we were, everyone was worried that just touching somebody with AIDS, you could get it. And well, yeah, because and... immediately, immediately after that scene of him uh, meeting Tom Hanks and shaking his hand, he goes to the doctor and, and one one thing i did like even in the even in the direction of this movie is at the beginning when tom hanks gets a promotion before they know he has aids they make a point of showing all, all the handshakes they like the handshakes in this movie sort of evolved through time which i really liked yeah. so at the beginning it's very firm confident handshakes and then people are sort of shying away from touching him after that and it, it kind of shows the the state that uh, his life is in and his social life is in now to uh, to touch on, I, I found a little piece of trivia about uh, to touch on his uh, deterioration throughout the film. Um, sure. I found a little uh, uh, piece of trivia on that. Tom Hanks had to lose thirty pounds to appear appropriately gaunt for his courtroom scenes. Denzel yeah. Washington, on the other hand, was asked to gain a few pounds for his role. Washington, to the chagrin of Hanks, who practically starved himself for the role, would often eat chocolate bars in front of him. <laughs> that's hilarious a uh, couple of the things i found um there's actually let's see one two three four there was five people that were all offered the role of andrew beckett before tom hanks would you like to well, know I guess, they... yeah. at this time tom hanks it should be mentioned this was his first really big serious dramatic role wasn't wasn't it yeah before this he was like the guy from big or the guy from i don't even know what else he was in turner and hooch <laughs> yeah he was mostly he was comedic actor he was not in a big time uh, dramatic movie before this. So, no. back to that, this is his first attempt, pretty much, at a big, starring, leading dramatic role. Was uh, nothing to shake a stick at. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, it is. Uh, so these are the people that were offered the role of Andrew Beckett prior to Tom Hanks taking it. Um, I'll go the uh, okay. The worst one that they offered, in my opinion, is William Baldwin. I don't think he would have done a good. Andrew Beckett. Right. And then I think that number four on this list is another someone that I don't think would have been that good in the role is Andy Garcia. Now we're getting into the next three who I think would actually be really good. So I'll go with I'm gonna actually gonna put these in the order of how I think in the order of preference of what I would like to see. So number three, Tim Robbins. Okay, yeah. I think you and I both, I mean, you, I think, more so than I appreciate Tim Robbins because you're, you're a big Shawshank fan, right? Huge Shawshank yeah. fan. Yeah, for sure. Um, in my opinion, actually, I think Tim Robbins would have probably all probably pretty much played Andrew Beckett the exact same way Tom Hanks would. Yeah, not I that, can see them giving off very similar performances. Not that they're the same type of actor, but I can see Tim Robbins doing pretty much the, making almost the exact same choices that Tom Hanks did. Side note, whatever happened to Tim Robbins? Uh, no, I don't see I him much anymore. No, 
I remember I saw him in like War of the Worlds 2004, and like, but after Shawshank, he really didn't do a whole lot, did he? Well, that's not true. He won a Best Supporting Actor for Mystic River. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. But I, I know I, he has a cameo in the cult classic Tenacious D: The Pick of Destiny. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know that him. I, I'm. I don't know if he's still with Susan Sarandon, but I know they're pretty political. So I don't know if they've followed that route. Like, have tried to do more like not in politics but kind of more uh, i don't i don't know community work I yeah don't, i don't know how else to do it maybe he's out there actually trying to make the world better instead of acting i don't know who knows i would argue <laughs> that acting does make the world better maybe. i would argue vociferously <laughs> makes my world better that's for sure so the number two guy in my opinion on this list that i think would have been a great and i'm not saying these people would have been better than tom hanks I'm just right. saying, out of the five people that were offered the role, I'm ranking them in the order that I think they'd be best. Number two, Michael Keaton. Right. And the last one, Sir Daniel Day-Lewis. Oh, I mean, it's it's difficult to say, like, it's difficult to say that Daniel Day-Lewis would not have done a good job. I know, I mean, right? This is the second time he's been filleted by us in this show, but, I mean, it's rightfully so. He's... One of the most gifted actors working today alongside the other gentleman we're talking supposed to be talking about today, Tom Hanks. <laughs> yeah, we don't we're not really talking about him all that much right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I, I guess towards the end of the movie in Philadelphia, if I can steer us back on track yeah. here. Um, towards the end of the movie when he starts getting really sick, I think is where the performance really starts uh taking on a life of its own and becoming iconic because this is an iconic performance and a lot of people might have this higher on their list than uh, Tom Hanks and in my opinion this movie isn't nearly as good if it doesn't have a very very good performance at the center of it so the slow realization over time of what's going to happen to him um, and the deterioration I think is uh, what takes center stage in this movie for me um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that uh, no I, I don't I, I, I'll just uh, I just want to pretty much uh heartily agree with everything you said uh i agree this movie um this movie just wouldn't be as good uh if it wasn't for somebody like tom hanks at the center of it yeah uh, <clears throat> i think it would come across as schmaltzy and and probably a little overbearing uh do you have a favorite scene in this movie yes i do and it's probably the scene that got on the oscar and that's the opera monologue yeah um, absolutely i think that's a, I to I almost wanted to just pick one besides that because even before I had seen this movie, I knew that scene. I, I, I would give a close second to, uh, just for the sake of being the devil's advocate, the, the scene in the courtroom where he's barely keeping his eyes open, he's trying not to pass out, and he's being cross-examined and being berated by um, the Mary Steenbergen? attorney. Mary Steenbergen. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Uh, she's uh, Buddy the Elf's mom. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you love how young I am? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, being uh, being berated by her, um, but I, I thought that was a really good scene, and he what he has to put up with, and you can see maybe not so much in that scene, but in earlier ones, um, the anger in his eyes a lot of the time when she's uh, she's talking about you know uh, maybe you could have made some better life choices to like basically blaming the fact that he has HIV on him. And you can see, even though he doesn't have an outburst, you can see how angry he is. And I liked the acting in those scenes as well. Mary Steenberger. 
Buddy the Elf's mom. She's an Academy Award winning actress and she's Buddy the Elf's mom. Give me a break. I'm 21. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's it's uh that is a good scene as well but i think for everybody watching this movie it's it's the opera the the opera Mm -hmm. monologue for sure um yeah by the way before we got on air you said there was a scene uh that you liked because of the way it was shot and this was the no in my number four oh in your number four okay because this was the one that i thought it might be no no oh so so this is the one you thought it was no, well, there was one other one that I thought for sure it would have been, and then you said it wasn't the obvious choice. This okay, what I so this was your first guess, so this is where you were wrong. Because I remember yes. I told you, I'm like, you're going to be wrong. So... No, well, yeah, and then I changed my answer, which would have been this. Okay. Yeah. It was my second guess, but anyway. All right, so that was both of our number fives. Did yeah. you did you have anything to add for Philadelphia before we move no, on? No, I think that's uh, just about it. I, I just, if I, I guess I can do just a sort of a concluding thoughts here. I think that the performance is really good. As a whole with the movie, I was kind of disappointed watching it for the first time, to be completely honest. Um, I thought it clearly was a very important movie for its time. It was very important for handling uh, the AIDS ec- ap- epidemic. Holy crap, I can't say that word today. Um, <laughs> it was uh, very well acted, had a couple of absolute behemoths at the head of it with Denzel Washington and Tom Hanks. Um, but overall, the... The villains were a bit too mustache twirling to me. The way it was shot outside of the opera scene, I didn't really like the whole super close-up look. A, a lot of the dialogue is shot almost exclusively in close-ups, and it was it was kind of weird to me, to be completely honest. It just kind of threw me off. Do you know this director? Um, I don't. I don't know this director. He did Silence of the Lambs. Did he? Okay, that makes that makes perfect sense. Yeah. That, I felt, was a little more warranted though when sounds of the lambs because it's very tense and it's a lot of the time it's a standoff between two very smart individuals whereas this is more of an emotional movie and i didn't know if it worked quite as well but Fair enough. regardless overall still a very good movie and still a very important movie culturally and at the center of it a brilliant performance by mr tom hanks perfect so let's move <laughs> on to our number four and i'll do we'll continue yeah, I'll, you go ahead i'll take the lead so my number four is the 2002 crime thriller where he plays Michael Sullivan in Road to Perdition. Not on my list. Have you seen this movie? I have not, unfortunately. Ah, this is one that you're going to add to your list. Yeah, I absolutely... It's not... Is it a Best Picture candidate? Probably not. I No. If it is, I'm going to be ecstatic for you to watch this movie. Let me see. Nominee... You you can get talking if you want, and I can go Googling. Damn. No, it's not... Best cinematography. Um, so, uh, Road to Perdition. It's uh, directed by the uh, fantastic Sam Mendes, um, starring uh, Tom Hanks, Tyler Hoechlin, uh, and Paul Newman. Uh, also, a, a very early appearance—not a very early appearance, but one of the earlier appearances of Daniel Craig, um, and quite a few other actors that people would recognize. Uh... <coughs> oh, sorry, Woo-hoo. that was horrible. Uh, Road to per- Perdition. Uh, Bonds of loyalty are put to the test when a hitman's son witnesses what his father does for a living. Um, and that's Tyler Hoechlin, who right now is currently playing uh, Superman on the Supergirl CW show. Uh, that was... Uh, you don't recommend anyone watch? I don't recommend anybody watch. Um, <laughs> but that was... I, I didn't realize... Uh, it was really funny because obviously in this in this movie, he's very young. He plays a very young boy i think he probably i think he's about 12 or 13 and to see him grown up now and playing superman when he 
when he first appears in Supergirl, I was like, where do I know that guy? And then I look up his, I immediately go to IMDb. I'm like, oh my God, it's Michael Sullivan Jr. from Road to Perdition. Um, Road to Perdition um, is an absolutely stunning film. Um, but again, I shouldn't be talking about the movie. I should be talking about the performance. This is, in, uh, I haven't really looked um, at his, well, I have looked at it, but I haven't dove deep into Tom Hanks's uh, filmography. But this is his first real anti-hero role. Tom Hanks plays a Irish mob hitman. And he plays him with chilling excellence. He is a complete fucking badass, and it's so weird. It's not, oh, I shouldn't say it's weird, but it, it, this is another time that Tom Hanks is stepping out of his little persona that he's built. Um, his, I'm Mr. Nice Guy, because like, I don't think I've ever heard a bad story about Tom Hanks. Um, but Michael Sullivan is, um, he does have a moral code. He does have uh, incredibly deep family values, but the man is a cold-blooded murderer. He murders. I just interject real quickly yeah. about the lovability of Tom Hanks. There's a great Onion from the art, uh, a great article from the Onion. Rather, holy shit, I can't talk today. Great article from the Onion. Uh, uh, Tom Hanks. Uh, <laughs> the world doesn't even know who to admire anymore after Tom Hanks murders five. Is the <laughs> the article headline? I just remember that briefly. Sorry to cut off your train of thought. Totally. No, it's all it's all good. Um. <laughs> He's absolutely st stunning in this performance. He, d he did not get nominated, um, which, which actually is a rarity these days because he's like the male Meryl Streep, where like literally any time he does a movie, he's almost guaranteed a, an acting nom. You'd actually think of that, but you should actually take a look. He, it's actually been a long time since he's been nominated. Really? Yeah, it's, I know it's funny. What um, was the last movie he was nominated for? Wasn't he nominated for Sully, or am I misremembering that? That might be might be the last one in like in the last ten years. You can look it up. Um, but um, this this movie he didn't get nominated for. Um, I'd have to double check on who was nominated this year. Um, I do love this performance. He plays very much a father, um, and, and that's the the basis of the whole story is a father protecting his son, and um, he is hauntingly good. Um, this is set back in the 30s during the Al Capone time uh, of gangsters. And it's this is back when, you know, a father's job was really just to provide enough money to have a roof over their head and food on the table, and the mother took care of everything else. A father didn't really do much parenting back then. And. Uh I'm sorry, I have the best actor list here for you of uh, the nominations of for Tom to, Hanks. To, uh, a best actor of, of Tom Hanks? Yeah. Okay. Do you care to, care to guess when his last nomination was? My guess would be Captain Phillips. No. He was not nominated for Captain Phillips. Okay. Yeah. Was he nominated for Sully? He was not nominated for Sully. Yeah, I know it goes back farther. It's creepy, isn't Holy it? Holy shit, that goes back away. You want to know the last time I actually, th I actually think it's Castaway. It's Castaway. Yeah. That's incredible to me. Greatest living actors, and he hasn't been nominated in almost two decades. Yes, I That's know. That's incredible. Stupid, isn't it? Yeah, and he had five nominations. He has five nominations for Academy Awards total. Big Philadelphia, Forrest Gump, Saving Private Ryan, and Castaway. Golden Globes, it looks like he's had a little bit more luck. He was nominated for the post, Captain Phillips, Charlie Wilson's War as well. But, yeah, that is shocking to me. Yeah, I know. Um... So throughout the film, uh, 
Tom Hanks um, has to be a father and a parent for the first time. Um, and he shows that this man truly does love his son, um, but he's having a hard time coming to grips with being the only parent uh, left um, because, hey, spoiler alert, because his son sees um, Tom Hanks and Daniel Craig murder someone, um, Daniel Craig takes it upon himself to murder uh, Tom Hanks' family. So he murders his other son and his wife and then sets out to murder Tom Hanks and Tom Hanks's other son. It's a great, <coughs> it's a fantastic film. I'd love to dive deeper into the film, but I'm, I'm not going to. Um, the, the main thing about this movie uh, for me that was really striking, um, well, I shouldn't, no, it is the main thing. The cinematography in this movie is jaw-dropping. Um, mm-hmm. Conrad Hall is a legendary cinematographer. He did win Best Cinematography for this, uh, and when you watch it, you can see why. The The movie is an absolute fucking treat. Um, what Sam and I were mentioning um, prior to our recording that he mentioned during the number five is that uh, for me to pick my favorite scene in this movie, uh, it isn't so much about Tom Hanks' performance, but it is the cinematography of this scene that makes it my favorite scene and I don't want to spoil anything, but I'm just going to call... I'm, for those that have seen it, they'll know exactly what I'm talking about. For those that haven't seen it, you'll know what's going to happen. You, you know what's going to happen anyways as it leads up to this, but I'm just going to call the scene The Rain Massacre, and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. So, Sam, when you get to finally get around to watching this movie and The Rain Massacre occurs, you'll know what I'm talking about, and you'll be like, yeah, I can see why this is Manny's favorite scene. This is right up his alley. Yeah, everything you've said about it definitely makes me want to watch it. And, I mean, it does star Mr. Tom Hanks as well, so obviously I'm going to be interested by it. Uh, who is the director again? It's Sam Mendes, right? Sam Mendes, yeah. American yeah, Beauty. So I, yeah. I mean, yeah, I was an American Beauty fan. I mean, statutory rape aside. But, uh, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, it seems like right up my alley. I'll probably Sam, I, I, Sam, I guarantee you that you will love this movie. 100%, without a shadow of my doubt, this is a movie that after you watch it, you're going to love it. I it's 100%. This will probably have to get uh, bumped up the list a little bit. Cool. I think it was also on my list, side note, uh, when I got my wisdom teeth out, Manny texted me a list of something <laughs> like 40 movies that I needed to watch. I managed to get to about uh, three of them, I think, <laughs> while I was on uh, all my wisdom teeth drugs. I kind of went one of them, and I didn't get to watch it, unfortunately. I kind of went a little overboard when you asked me. You're like, hey, what should I watch? Well, I'm uh, kind of lit up a little bit, and I'm like... <laughs> I'm not incapacitated for a year. Like, <laughs> Side note, Life is Beautiful I watched that weekend, though. What a gorgeous movie that is. <clears throat> I can't wait till we start talking about that one again, but that's a ways yes. off. Anyways, that is a ways off. <laughs> um, the one other thing, um, it's not a major part of the film, but there is a piano piece that him and Paul Newman play in the beginning of the film, and it was actually and realistically performed by the two of them, and it's a haunting scene. It's so beautiful. It's such a, it's just a tiny little minor thing, but it shows the connection that these two characters have, um, and I, I love it. It, it. That that scene has always stood out for me as well, and it's like maybe a fifteen second scene, um, but yeah, th- this this is a, a definite departure for Tom Hanks uh, playing Michael Sullivan. Like I said, he plays uh, an absolute badass hitman, um, and in the way that you would expect Tom Hanks too. He he doesn't. He just kind of uses his size and his presence to instill intimidation, um, and then and Sam Mendes really sets everything up um, with him. Michael Sullivan has a reputation; not as a, he's not a psychopath, 
he's just efficient at what he does and he is he's rightfully feared um and so this that's why um uh, michael sullivan from road to perdition is my number four excellent yeah i'll uh, i'll be checking that one out for sure perfect and uh let's move on to your no i said my favorite scene all right let's move on to your number four sam yeah that's right um so my number four is uh as it would seem, the last time that Tom Hanks got nominated for an Oscar for Best Actor, and that would be uh, the 2000 movie, Castaway. That is on my list. A little bit higher, I would suppose. And it's my number three, so it's what I was going to mention next anyways. Hey! Hey! Do <laughs> um, you want to get started on it since it's a little bit higher on yours? Sure. Well, as we mentioned, this was the last time that uh, he was nominated for Best Actor. It was the 2000 nomination. Um, a little piece of trivia on it uh, for, well, Castaway. Let's uh, let's get into that. It uh, was directed by Robert Zemeckis, uh, a director who has incredible highs and incredible lows as a director, in my opinion. Um, but he'll always have a place in my heart because he did the Back to the Future trilogy. Um, but I don't want to divert too much away from the incredible performance he pulls from Tom Hanks in Castaway. Do you want to do a plot synopsis? I have it in front of me here. Yeah, I've... I got it right here. Yeah, it's a, a FedEx executive must transform himself physically and emotionally to survive a crash landing on a deserted island. This is one of the movies um, that really started to. It's, it's a little. It's it's a little off the beaten track about what I want to talk about, but I, I want to mention since we're talking about the movie Castaway, sure. this is one of the movies where I really started to have a serious problem with the marketing and trailers of a film. Um, the first trailer for this movie was fantastic. It was fantastic. I'm not enough to remember the trailers, I should add. It's okay. It, it, the, the first trailer basically shows um, him washing up on the beach, and then that, that those great shots of him just kind of walking around just yelling hello yeah. to nothingness, just the sound of waves. That was well, That's more of like a teaser trailer because I think it was like maybe a minute long. Hmm. The next that was couple, more of a Christopher Nolan marketing campaign. Yeah, the, and it, I was like, "Oh my god, I'm I'm in." I'm like, "It's Tom Hanks, anyways," but like, this looks fucking awesome. The next couple trailers, again, it is a movie. So the that we're talking about ninety nine point nine percent of movies will pretty much have a happy ending. Yeah, thanks Hollywood. So we're not giving anything away by saying Tom Hanks gets off this island. Also, this movie came out in the year 2000, so... Yeah, 18-year spoilers, so suck it up. (laughs) But the trailer itself showed him getting off the island. That's... And and I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, I know he's going to do it, but why would you put this in the marketing? Mm -hmm. And and then going into the movie, after seeing that trailer a couple times, I was like, okay, maybe, maybe part of the movie is about him getting on the island... And then him dealing with the repercussions of getting off the island, which is what they it, do. It is the case to an extent. Yeah, but they it's it's what maybe fifteen minutes at yeah. the end, maybe a little yeah, bit more. It's, it's not a long long period at all. Yeah, like, uh, that was. I can definitely see why you would have had issues with that. That is sort of a massive spoiler. Yeah. So I I don't. I wanna... mean, I also like I said, I watched this movie. I did not watch it for the first time when it came out, obviously, because I was very young, but. When I did watch it for the first time, probably when I was 14 or 15, I mean, I, the all the quotes about Wilson were already iconic yes. and things of that nature. So, I mean, a lot of this movie I kind of already knew about, and I really knew that he was going to get off the island eventually. They of weren't course. just going to make a sad movie about Tom Hanks 
trying to escape off an island and then after an hour and a half of screen time he just fails and dies but like that wasn't going to be the plot of this movie ever so piece of trivia for the film to make himself look like an average out of shape middle-aged man tom hanks didn't exercise and allowed himself to grow pudgy Production was then halted for a year so he could lose 50 pounds and grow out his hair for his time spent on the deserted island. During this hiatus, Robert Zemeckis used the exact same crew to film the movie What Lies Beneath. Interesting. Yeah. So in between filming this movie, he filmed another movie. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, Tom... So what you're saying is that you and I are both currently preparing to play Tom Hanks' character in the next castaway. Yes. <laughs> at least the opening parts of it by not exercising <laughs> getting, into, getting into dad bods. I, I've, I've got full-on dad bod, full-on <laughs> dad bod. Um, well, since I started living on my own, going on a pizza pop diet, I, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm on my way. Welcome to bachelorhood, my friend. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Um, and Manny and I are both currently drinking cans of Coca-Cola right I know, now. right? I'm already working on number two. How sad. If you need to go on a rant, let me know in advance, and I'll go grab my second can as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, I absolutely love this movie, and I love the character of Chuck Noland. Um, I love how much he grows throughout the film, um, and they do it in beautifully subtle ways. Um, there's a scene... Um, Chuck Nolan's used to being in control. He works for FedEx, um, and he's as he's boarding uh, a flight, uh, and it's not the one that he crashes on. Um, one of his coworkers, um, he's just talking with them. They're just kind of catching up, and one of the stewardesses mentions to the other guy, um, he's she's really sorry to hear about his wife who has cancer, and you can see the look on Tom Hanks' face. He doesn't know what to say. He doesn't know how to deal with this kind of situation, and he just kind of really withdraws. And then they cut to the next scene where they're getting off the plane, and he starts telling uh, the other guy, you know, I, I know this really great doctor. Maybe you should talk to him because Chuck's just trying to take control of the situation. It's later on when he gets off the island, and he meets up with this, uh, this guy again, and he starts apologizing because he was on the island when his friend's wife died mm -hmm. and he starts he starts realizing that it's not all about him and it's about the people around him and it's these kind of arcs and he has so many more arcs throughout this whole film but like this this performance um from tom hanks is as absolutely amazing um I, and like i said the, the movie itself this is the one where we can definitely talk about the movie because this movie is tom hanks oh for sure yeah the the I mean, 99 is an exaggeration, but a large portion of this movie, the entire middle act of it, is Tom Hanks on an island talking to a volleyball. Like, that's, that is the movie. That's, that could have been the, the subtitle of the movie or the whatever you want to call it, the, the tagline. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, so much of it, because of that, because of the nature of this movie, is really, really good physical acting. Uh, and... It's physical acting where his emotions sort of show through, like his frustration when he can't get coconuts open or he can't like start a fire or anything like that, or just the sheer relief that washes over him when he eventually does get a fire started and he's chanting like, me mad, me invent fire. And like, it, it, he just has a lot of fun doing these sort of, having to learn how to take care of himself in the wild and sort of have to get back to basics. And th this whole movie start to finish is 
basically carried by the excellent performance by Tom Hanks, both physically and emotionally. And even though it is primarily a physical movie, in the later portion of the movie, when he does get back uh, to to civilization and, um, and and has to reunite with people and sort of rekindle these relationships and figure out what it is he's doing with his life now, uh, even those emotional moments are quite good. Um, I won't talk about that quite yet, maybe until we talk about favorite scenes, but there's a couple of really good uh, scenes towards the end of this movie that take place off the island that are also quite good. But yeah, the, the main stuff that's good is his connection with Wilson the volleyball. Like, leave it to Tom Hanks to give one of the most riveting performances of the early 2000s where for a third of it, he's just yelling at a volleyball. <laughs> like, if there's maybe one other human being on Earth, and his name is Daniel Day-Lewis, who could pull out that kind of performance. Oh, I agree. Um, it, it's just really a tip of the cap and, and a testament to the amount of skill that Tom Hanks has as a actor to actually make us care about a volleyball. He humanizes a volleyball. And for those of you that haven't seen Castaway and don't know what we're talking about, I'm sure you've heard many references to Wilson and the volleyball and stuff like that. We're not exaggerating. I actually gave a shit about this fucking volleyball because well, of Tom Hanks. Do you want to get into best scene? Because you've sort of teased out what mine was going to be. Fuck, but let's do it. Let's dive in. The scene where Tom Hanks is... He's built a raft. He's gone out of his way to get off the island, and he's he's losing strength by the day uh, as he's rafting away from the island. And you've seen him over the years build this connection with a fucking volleyball with a face drawn on it in blood named Wilson. And uh, at one point, he passes out, and the ball floats away. And he notices it and tries to swim off after it, but knows that he can't swim too far away from the raft. So it's it's just too far out of the way for him to go swim out of the way. And it's a really, really emotional scene of him losing a fucking volleyball. And for some reason, it could also, it's also aided by the score, which is wonderful. There's a very emotional piece that plays in the background of this scene. But the, him yelling, Wilson, I'm sorry, Wilson, I'm sorry, over and over again, as this volleyball with a face painted on it and blood floats away, somehow is an incredible scene. Like, it sounds a little bit hilarious now that I'm describing it, but it's actually really, really good. That's my favorite scene, too. Yeah. <laughs> I saw it in the theater and was fucking bawling my eyes out. I couldn't yeah. believe it. And I'm I the whole time I'm like, I'm seriously crying over a fucking volleyball. <laughs> well, in the context of the movie, it makes sense, right? Because it's been his only companion. He's, he's talked to this thing and it's been like his best friend for all these years and he has to choose between you know, letting his best friend go and uh, and finding maybe safety. I mean, at this point in the movie, he's also sort of, I think, beginning to think that uh, he's just going to die on this raft and he's he's not going to get rescued at all. So, yeah, the, the decision to stay on the raft instead of going after Wilson, while uh, advisable, was an emotional one. It was. It was amazing. Um... There's also, I just want to touch on this, speaking of Wilson, there's a great line at the beginning of the movie to jump back when he first gets on the island when he's trying to remove his tooth. So he's, uh, he has this abscessed tooth, Tom Hanks does, and he's trying to remove it with this skate blade that he's found. Uh. And as he's trying to remove it, he just turns to Wilson, who he's just recently created, and says, you want to know something funny? My dentist's name is James Spaulding. <laughs> and I, I remember the first time I saw this movie, I laughed way harder than I ought to have at that. I thought that was the funniest thing ever. Oh, it's fucking hilarious, but you actually have to be a, you have to be a sports fan to understand how funny that is. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was one of the that was one of the better moments in the movie for me. There's so many great little character moments um, that I love, um, and, and they built it up at the beginning, like his love um, for Helen Hunt um, mm-hmm. is amazing. Like when he first comes back from Russia and meets her at her lab or whatever, and they dance to the Xerox machine is fucking adorable. Yeah. Like, I love it. I'm like, the love that these two have is is real. I, like, I don't want to say, like, I don't want to say they have chemistry because it's not, it's not this hot, romantic love. They just have this really deep connection. And you had to believe it because it's his love for her that really is the only thing that kind of keeps him going on that island. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and, even outside of that, I mean, it's sort of away from Tom Hanks' performance, but I love how they wrote in, it's either the writing and direction um, just the, the FedEx package that he has next to him that he refuses to open for all those years because he's convinced himself that one day he's going to get to deliver it. Yes. I, I thought that was really awesome. That being said, absolutely the right thing to do in that situation is open it. What if there was, what if there was a cell phone in there or a box full of flares? Or there, was, like there was a Q&A that, that the director Robert Zemeckis did and, and they asked him what was in there. And he, he said, he's like, oh, it was a solar-powered uh, satellite phone. <laughs> that's really funny who who would ask a question like that though like asking that kind of question does defeat the purpose a little bit it really that's does like the people who ask what's in the what's in the suitcase or in the briefcase in pulp fiction my favorite fan theory, fan theory on that is it's uh parcel wow. wallace's soul yes i yeah. fucking love that theory <laughs> yeah that's the same i guess i kind of undermine my own point there but. yeah it's all good um but yeah yeah And I love that we can really talk about this movie because of Tom Hanks' performance. Like we said, it is about 90% of the film. Um, Mm -hmm. Again, his... It's just small little choices he makes and small choices or or things that the... um, That the... That the writers make. Um, A close second for me on my favorite scene is actually when he goes to meet Helen Hunt at her house. Yeah. Um, it's a very long scene, but I really liked it. Th- and this is this is my second favorite scene in the movie, but it's also the one that I have the hardest time with um, because he was on the island for four years. And I have a real hard time that she's married and has a kid with somebody new in four years. Yeah. Um, but granted, um, I've never lost – I've never had the love of my life die – so mm-hmm. perhaps moving on is a little bit easier when they've died. But in yeah, my mind... They, they also don't say for how long she's been married. I mean, the timeline could make sense for certain people. It's it's tough. For, for me, that and that's my... Honestly, that's my only complaint in this whole mm-hmm. movie is that her moving on... To, like, if it had been six years, I think I would have been fine. Or if it was four <laughs> years and she didn't have a kid... I oh think. yeah, she's a kid too. Yes, right? yeah. yes, and that and that's where my problem is. Is that I guess in my mind, I'm like, if she only had, if she only grieved for a year, mm-hmm. and then and then she maybe met somebody in year two, and then they're already so in less than a year they've already decided to get married and to have a kid by year four. I'm like, yeah, that, right. that's that's a tight timeline. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's tight. Not everyone grieves in their own way, man. So true. So true. <laughs> Again, like um, I'm, I'm nitpicking on something so small because that scene when he goes and meets up with her is really powerful and really well done. 
Yeah, um, for sure. On both ends, from Helen Hunt and from Tom Hanks. Um, but I, I, I love Chuck Nolan. I love this movie. I love this character. This, I, I love this movie. It's just so well done. It's, oh, it's just so. It's both so fun and so dramatic and so touching, and it makes me wonder. Would I be able to survive on a deserted island? I don't know oh, if I. Absolutely not. I, I don't know if I'd be able to do that right. fucking tooth removal thing. I I honestly yeah. don't think I'd be able to do that. Absolutely not. <laughs> oh god, that scene is. Yeah. Um. One other scene I did want to talk about. Um. That I also <laughs> kind of have issues with. That maybe you could uh, alleviate my fears on this. The keep breathing scene. Uh, the monologue, as uh, as well performed as the monologue is, and as good as it is, I feel like it's a little bit um, unnecessary. I don't know if you felt the same way. So this is like a, a big acting in capital A moment for Tom Hanks, where he's giving a monologue to I think it's his friend uh, about how he's just got to keep breathing, and how him and Helen Hunt had both done the math that it wasn't going to work out. He confesses that he was going to kill himself on the island, and then he just reiterates the theme of the movie, which is that you know all you can do is keep moving, and uh, all you can do is keep moving forward. And it, it it's on the surface a very nice scene and a very touching monologue, but for me, it's a little bit unnecessary. I don't know if you had some thoughts on that. I honestly, uh, I honestly never saw a problem with it uh, until mm-hmm. you pointed it out. I can understand yeah. why you'd have a problem with it, but yeah, for me, it didn't. Uh... Because for me, you take that scene out of the movie, and the movie does not suffer at all. Like that movie, that scene doesn't really add anything for me, except for runtime. I, I guess for in my opinion, um, I guess they probably because that's the that's the only time that he reveals that he thought about killing himself, right? Because that's when he reveals the, the, the test he did. Is that right? I'm almost positive. Well, uh, I mean, it's the only time he reveals it to other people. He, yeah, of course. He, that's what I'm talking. Well, he reveals it to the audience. No, no, no. He's like it's revealed on the island because he uh he's talking to wilson and it's it's hinted at briefly when he says yeah i know where there's extra x amount of feet of rope but i can't get it and then he goes and gets it and he thinks wilson's judging him and he says i know i know uh it wouldn't have he says something like it wouldn't have worked it wouldn't have held my weight i couldn't go through with it or yes. something like that okay so it's never really explicitly said but it's very very strongly hinted at yeah it, strongly hinted and then this is when he fully reveals yeah. it to the to both the, uh, his friend and the audience. I see. Okay. Yeah. So I think I think in my opinion for that is because we have to sadly remember that they do have to dumb everything down for general audiences. Yeah. And, and that you and I talk, you and I have talked about this. I love like I think like my first time watching this movie, I figured out that he was trying to kill himself. And then when that scene rolled around of the keep breathing, I was like, I already know all this. Like. I keep moving. <laughs> Do, take your own advice and keep moving through the plot here a little bit. For me, it just slowed it down a smidge. I, I didn't feel that way at all, but I can see why you would feel that way. Okay, fair enough. All right, moving on. Sam's number three. My number three is a movie I unfortunately did not get to rewatch this week, and I really would have liked to because it's a really, really good performance, and that is uh, Captain Phillips. Oh, not on my list. Not on your list, hey? Interesting. You have seen it, I would assume. Oh, yeah, I saw it in the theater. And surprisingly, yeah. I own two copies of it on Blu-ray. Do you really? Yeah. I <laughs> I bought it because it's so good, and then I, I wanted a second copy in a promotion. It just came in this promotion. I was like, God damn it. <laughs> I see, I see. 
Um, yeah, this is a really good movie. It came out in 2013, I think. I probably should have queued this up, knowing that it was my uh, it was my next movie on here. Uh, Captain Phillips. Uh, it was 2013, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah I got so, it. Uh, okay, yeah, I, I got it as well. Uh, uh, the true story of Captain Richard Phillips and the 2009 hijacking by Somali pirates of the U.S. flagged MV Maersk, Alabama, the first American cargo ship to be hijacked in 200 years. So um, <laughs> this is a pretty intense, uh, pretty intense movie. Obviously, uh, you have Tom Hanks as basically the only um, A-list actor. Um, is it uh, Barkad Abdi who plays uh, the main antagonist in this movie? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, also quite good. He was nominated. Uh, in, I shouldn't say instead of Tom Hanks, but he was nominated for uh, supporting actor for this movie, uh, Barkad Abdi. So there's definitely enough acting talent to go around in this movie. Um, it's like I said, I would have liked to have rewatched this movie because it's, it has been a while for me. I first watched it, I think once when it came out and once shortly after, and I haven't really gotten around to rewatching it since, but there are just a, a ridiculous amount of good scenes in this movie. Um, as far as Tom Hanks's performance is concerned, um, the whole sequence of him being held hostage on the, not necessarily on the Maersk, Alabama, but on the, uh, the lifeboat mm-hmm. that they're on, and the final scenes of when the relationship between his captors is slowly deteriorating. Most of the time, they're speaking in uh, whatever language it is they speak. I'm not totally sure what it is, but they're speaking in their own language. Somalian? And Sure, Somalian. <laughs> Let's go with that. I'm, I'm not sure off the top of my head, honestly. But they're speaking in their own language, and he uh, he's very much just trying to decipher what it is that they're saying and there's not a lot he can do if there is one problem with his character in this movie <laughs> i mean it is a real life story so you can't really nitpick it too much but he is a little bit of a passive protagonist he doesn't he's not the get shit done guy he's the watch shit happen around me guy yeah. for most of the movie um but it's his reactions to those things were really pull through for me in this performance and he reacts very very well to everything that happens to him in this movie and there's a lot of shit that happens to him in this movie a lot yeah um i actually remember i remember when the events that this movie is based on were happening yeah i do i do too actually i remember i was i was learning about it in school yeah i was following it uh, pretty intently uh, pretty intently on uh, on the news and uh, i found it completely fascinating um and so watching the movie, it was um, it was it was fun to see the events uh, on the big screen. Uh, I feel bad saying that it was fun because this really happened to some people and continues to happen to other people uh, throughout the world um, because pirating, especially along the Somali coast, um, is a, a real and true danger. Um, mm-hmm. But his performance in this movie um, is phenomenal. I remember watching it. Like I said, I saw it in the theater and being stunned. Um, by what I was seeing, it was, it's just another great, solid Tom Hanks performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think, like I said, his, his performance is really what pulls this movie through. As is the case with, I won't say all, but most of the movies on these lists. Um, I don't have a whole lot to say about it again because it's not as fresh in my mind. Unfortunately, I know you won't have a lot to say on it because you haven't taken notes, not being on your list. Um, if, if I may, I can just jump into uh, best scene. If you're good to go there, I'll. Uh, for me the choice is clear it's arguably and like i keep saying that this movie isn't fresh in my mind and people might be wondering why the hell is it on your list if it's not uh if it's not so fresh or if there's nothing notable well there's one scene in particular that's incredibly notable and arguably the best scene that's 
that Tom Hanks has ever acted in, and arguably one of the best of the last several decades that's been acted, and that's the crying scene towards the end of when uh, when he does inevitably get rescued. Um, it, it's an incredibly emotional and powerful scene as the as the score swells and Tom Hanks is slowly coming out of shock, um, and there's there's a there's a medic who's trying to talk him through the whole thing and trying to figure out what's wrong with him. And he's just not being responsive and he's slowly realizing the gravity of what's happened to him. And he starts sobbing. And this, I mentioned that just a lot of stuff is happening to him in this movie rather than him driving the plot. But the, this scene is the payoff of all of that. It's the payoff of him staying strong and not losing his cool throughout the entire movie and then when he is safe, he fucking loses it. And he realizes how lucky he is to be alive. And it's a really, really powerful scene. It's unreal. And I, I remember when I saw it in the theater, um, this is this, I remember, I, this is what, was it 2013? Yes. Okay. I, so I, I, the person I was with at the, at the time, I leaned over and said, he's going to get nominated because of this scene. And then he didn't. He didn't. Um which is, is still shocking because I agree. Um, it, that's a scene that will never, ever lose my mind. I can still see it perfectly in my mind. Mm-hmm. It was riveting and absolutely jaw-dropping to see that, had... that type of performance pulled. I, I, would, I, I don't know if I really want to, but I am curious as to what, what did he – where did Tom Hanks go to get that out of himself? Yeah. Um, I, I also know – or at least I've heard this trivia fact, maybe you can uh, confirm this, that the medic who's acting alongside him in that movie is actually a medic and was just told to go do her job and was told to just assess someone who's been rescued. Obviously, she was on set and knew it was Tom Hanks and stuff, but I'm told that she was told to go assess him like she would uh, any other, uh, any other, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, patient that she would have. I'm told she was an actual medic, and Interesting. that's why the scene comes off so realistic. I never heard that. Fuck, that's even mm-hmm. fucking better. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. awesome. <laughs> a, a great scene and a, a very, a very entertaining and, and great movie. Absolutely. Um, so that is my number three. Uh, Manny, on to your number two. This was tough. Um, this I had a really hard time picking between my one and my number two, um, deciding which one was going to go where. Um, so I ultimately decided that the uh, number two spot is going to be uh, filled um, by Captain Miller from the 1998 movie Saving Private Ryan. Also on my list, it's not number two. All right, so then we'll (laughs) save it. So let's go to your number two. My number two, I'm wondering if this is actually, I don't think this is going to be your number one. Um, Maybe it will be. Um, But uh, it's a movie that is very important to me. It's one that I used to say was my favorite movie. I don't so much say that anymore, but it's still very high up there for me. Um, it's the 1994 movie Forrest Gump. Not on my list. Yeah, I didn't think it would be. So you and I have talked about this movie before. Uh, so I, I know that uh, your opinion of it is not quite as high as mine, <laughs> mainly because it stole the best picture win from Pulp Fiction that year. <laughs> Uh, maybe. <laughs> and what it was Shawshank Redemption was also made that year, but not nominated, I don't think. Oh, it was nominated. It was nominated? Yeah. Okay. Forrest Gump, well, Shawshank Redemption. Let's see if I can. Okay, this was, this was the five. Fantastic right. fucking year. It's yeah. Forrest Gump, Shawshank Redemption, Pulp Fiction, Quiz Show, Four Weddings and a Funeral. 
Don't you think it's still a fantastic movie, though, Forrest Gump, even though it's not arguably as good as Pulp Fiction on an objective level? Or I, have, I have no problem with the movie Forrest Gump. I find it really entertaining. I find it really good. I find it fantastic, especially in regards to the special effects and what, in what Zemeckis, again, here we're talking about Zemeckis, what Zemeckis yep. did in, in integrating Tom Hanks into actual uh, archival footage. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. From a filmmaking perspective, I, it's groundbreaking. I, to- completely groundbreaking. In my opinion, is Forrest Gump a better film than Shawshank Redemption or Pulp Fiction? No, it's not. That's my opinion. Someone I've had uh, numerous arguments uh, with about this movie is my dad. My dad is actually not a fan of this movie, and I've had numerous arguments with him about what the point of it is and why it's good and and all that jazz. But, I mean, we're we're here to talk about Forrest Forrest Gump, played by Tom Hanks, um, as the character, not the movie. Um, I personally... Oh, plots not you have it handy? Yeah. yeah uh, the presidency the presidencies presidencies what the fuck? <laughs> the presidencies? Thank you. Of Kennedy and <laughs> Johnson. <laughs> of Kennedy and Johnson, Vietnam, Watergate, and other history unfold through the perspective of an Alabama man with an IQ of seventy five. God so, that, I mean, that that synopsis would make me not want to watch this movie at all. No, the- this movie does not sound interesting, but a fucking lot happens in this movie. Yes, this, this, this movie, movie is, is basically just following fun. the life of Forrest Gump as he maneuvers his way through the big scary world and tries to find his place in it. Um, I think the the performance of Tom Hanks in this movie is really, really good. It's arguably on an objective level not as good as some other movies um, that we may have listed already, but just with this being one of my favorite movies, I love so many moments in this movie from him oh for sure without going into favorite scenes or anything even like there's so many lines that he delivers like, a lot of a lot of this is played for comedy with him being a total simpleton a lot of the lines that he delivers are for comedy and a lot of them are very good but even when he does get emotional like when jenny is rejecting his advances and he says why don't you love me jenny i i'm not a smart man but i know what love is <laughs> and and walks away it's really, really powerful to me, and it still gets me every time. Um, you're in the middle of Googling something there, I see. I am. Just something else. <laughs> All right, fair enough. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll get to it. I just, I, okay, I, it was a, a – go ahead. I'll <laughs> okay. mention it in a bit. As far as the comedy goes in this movie, I mean, we mentioned earlier that Tom Hanks starts off. Uh, ooh, you doing okay over there? <laughs> We mentioned that uh, Tom Hanks started off as a comedic actor in movies like Big, um, but uh, he really shows off that he's still, I mean, I say he still has it, but this movie came out before I was born as well in 1994, um, uh, but he still has or had the comedic chops that he had even back then. Um, there are so many funny lines in this movie and so many funny moments. I personally like when he uh, drinks 15 Dr. Peppers uh, before meeting the president and really has to go to the bathroom. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> um, there's just a number of good moments. And what really encapsulates his performance or what makes his performance great is that he captures the innocence of the character. Yes. And uh, the, the the movie is designed to show all the fucked up things that are happening in the world. It goes to Watergate and the Vietnam War and uh, the uh, the problems that were happening in Alabama. I can't remember what it was called. The standoff in the schoolhouse door or something uh, like that. No, it was uh, the segregation of 
the uh, of blacks and whites into the same type of universities. Yeah, yeah. There was a there was a name for the event of the governor standing in the schoolhouse door. It might have even been called the scan, the stand in the schoolhouse door mm. to reject integration, which was then federally mandated. But it just takes you through all these fucked up moments and the innocent man just trying to maneuver his way through an increasingly messed up world. Which I mean, I that's obviously in 1994 that this movie came out. The world is perfect now, and we live in the YouTube. <laughs> <Yeah. Wrong. laughs> but back then you can imagine it was really really important but yeah when he eventually through this movie as he ages increasingly bad things happen to him and he sort of loses that childlike innocence and he gets a little more somber as the movie goes on and that the character arc there um, i think is really well realized by tom hanks and really well realized by the writer and director as well totally uh, I don't know if you want to interject at any point here. I know this wasn't on your list, unfortunately. Maybe you want to talk about why it isn't on your list. Oh, sure. Or, um, I mean, I'm not that many people like to shit on this movie, but I just, I just need, I shouldn't say I need an explanation because I, I've acknowledged that. I mean, objectively, this movie isn't perfect. Um, but I, I don't know. I just, I'm just curious. I guess I should say. I think part of the reason that for me the this isn't on my list. Um, is actually I find the character of Forrest Gump to be annoying. Um, really? Yeah. At time, oh. at times, I find him annoying, and mm. I'm like, I. It's only through some of the other actions of Forrest Gump um, that uh, make the movie enjoyable for me. But there's so many times where I really just want to slap him. Um, the way his. And, and these are all choices uh, that Tom Hanks makes, um, mm -hmm. but like even the way he talks is, I find it's annoying. Do you know how he got into that accent? Do you know what he modeled it after? He modeled after the child. Yeah, the the child who plays uh, Forrest Gump in some of the scenes of when he's in childhood. He yep. just copied his accent because that kid actually was from Alabama, right? Yeah, totally. Had a very particular way of of talking, very slow. Uh, drawl and emphasizing his g's a lot <clears throat> yeah and, and i for me it's uh, it's hard to endure the the mm. entire time um yeah. and again the the idiocy of the character is hard for me to take at times the idiocy of the character is very endearing and very lovable um but sometimes i was just like i i can't stand it and that's one of the reasons that it's not on my list. It when we first started, I I had a list of eleven that I had to whittle down to five. This wasn't even on that eleven. Interesting. Yeah, I, I think um, what I do like about this performance is that I, I can totally see how this performance would grade on some people. I'm, I'm not gonna. This isn't gonna be another Heath Ledger Joker moment where I'm gonna berate you for not including <laughs> on your list. <laughs> but I, I think where this shines for me is that even though a character who is annoying or dumb, stupid, whatever you, whatever adjectives you want to describe Forrest Gump, I think what endears him to me and to a lot of audience members is that he still has integrity and honor. And even though he's not a smart man, he's respectful and dignified and honorable, and he can do some remarkable things in spite of, in spite of his low IQ on his journey to find his place in this world. And I, 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 I'm not going to disagree. And again, I want to reiterate, like, this isn't, it's not a performance I hate. As a yeah. performance, I, him winning Best Actor was rightfully deserved. 
mm-hmm. uh, 100% deserved. I'm not I'm not saying it was a bad performance. I'm just finding that his character is somebody that I have a hard time. I, I just have a hard time with. I, it's not a bad performance. He, it was not bad acting. That is not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that I didn't like the the character of Forrest Gump. For, for sure. For portions of the film, I found him annoying and hard to endure. <laughs> but the but as a performance, it rightfully won the Oscar. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go ahead and hop into my favorite scene, given that this is on... Oh, you have one more thing to add? I do. The the trivia I was looking up, because I was actually curious, because I'd heard, I wanted to know who else was who was offered this role before Tom Hanks took it, and there's three Uh-oh. people. And I had heard this, I thought, but I can't remember. The one that turned... The, the big one that turned it down, n- I don't think any three of these people, th- they would have made this movie even... I, I, I was about to say even worse because I yeah. don't I don't want to say this I love this movie it's a great movie but in my opinion mm-hmm. it's the number three movie out of the five that were nominated for best picture for sure but I I think this movie would have been fucking atrocious with any of these three people in it wasn't was it like Billy Bob Thornton or something like that no nope. I, I might be misremembering that I, I, I shouldn't say nope these are the three people that came up when I when I searched on it fair enough so okay. out of the three I'm gonna rank them from what should I go from the best to the worst or from the worst to the best Worst to best. Okay, or so he best to worst because you're saying they're all atrocious, right? Okay, so the best. So out of these three, I don't think any one of these three would have pl- played a very good Forrest Gump. So out of these three, this is the one that I think would have done the best job. <laughs> okay, I'll go with Bill Murray. Okay, I, I mean, I, it would have been a totally different movie. A hundred percent, and I don't yeah. think it would have been anywhere near as good. No, the I don't number, think it would. The number and that's coming from a couple of guys who really like and respect bill murray i love I bill murray myself but i i i think we both really like bill murray but yeah I, he wouldn't have done nearly as good of a job as tom right. hanks would have number two so the the whatever the silver medal <laughs> who later admitted that passing on the role was a mistake was john travolta right Ugh. what a what a time when john travolta was before tom hanks yeah okay. what an era so and this is and the this is the number three. This is the one that would have made it fucking horrible. I would have hated this movie. Chevy Chase. Why Chevy Chase? Yeah, this movie is not a straight up comedy. No. Chevy Chase turned was offered and turned down the role. Yes. That's incredible. Yes. Those are two remarkably bad decisions back to back. Both whoever's in charge offering him this role and then Chevy Chase turning it down. That is a series of terrible decisions by everyone involved. (coughs) Yeah, um, that's... Needless to say, we're both very happy that Tom Hanks acted in it because it's number two on my list for his performances, and in my opinion, it's it's one of my favorite movies ever. I mean, not going to put a number on it as of right now because that's probably a future episode. Fair enough. uh, Okay, so uh, let's go into your favorite scene while you're talking about yours i'm gonna try and think of one for myself right so tom hanks is sort of i don't want to say his calling card because he's just an all-around gifted actor but really something that he excels at is the crying scenes i had already talked about uh captain phillips the the, the scene that's at the end there um he cries a little bit in philadelphia i think during the opera scene if i remember correctly um and he cries in saving private ryan which we'll get to but for me the the crying scene in this movie that stands out is when he's saying goodbye to Jenny 
at the graveyard when he's when he's buried her after oh. he's sort of gotten her or he's sort of gotten his happy ending he's married he's gotten the girl and everything but it comes with a little twist that they don't really say the words hiv or aids but it's sort of implied heavily that she's contracted uh some they call it something they don't know what it is and the doctors don't don't know what to do about it and it's in the 80s so you can kind of put two and two together um but after he's buried her um and he's talking to her about uh about the nature of destiny and what his purpose is and he also pulls out a letter out of his pocket from their child and says he's not supposed to read it but he places it on her grave and just the delivery of every single line like the only thing that made life i shouldn't say the only thing that made life worth living for him but just his favorite thing about the world has just been taken from him and he's just sitting at her grave sobbing and it's such a good scene it's such a good scene <laughs> it's incredibly well acted yes I, I i i again i don't disagree his performance is fantastic yeah he's his delivery of the lines like uh even just saying i miss you jenny or um there, there's a great line from him that really encapsulates the theme of the movie for me he says i don't know if life is uh like lieutenant dan says and we're all just sort of floating around random like on a breeze or if it's like mama says and we all have a destiny but i'm thinking maybe it's both maybe both are happening at the same time and like that's that's what the movie's about that's <laughs> I mean, just, like i even though <laughs> i smile when he says that because it just it's just such a well-written line it's so well delivered awesome uh you I, have a, can you think of anything my favorite scene actually is a scene that it's a scene that tom hanks is in but he's not the reason that i like it okay and it's the scene um with bubba where bubba's telling him all the things you can do with shrimp oh. that scene <laughs> i don't know why always kills me always kills me there's pineapple shrimp barbecue shrimp shrimp sandwich <laughs> i know everything everything's something shrimp everything's something shrimp and then he cuts to shrimp kebabs i it's just this beautiful little pacing of how he's describing everything and then shrimp goes to the front uh it's, yeah, it's well it's well ended in that regard it keeps it keeps it from getting too boring because he lists like 20 different kinds of shrimp if oh, not it's more fucking phenomenal yeah <laughs> that's a really good scene though i thought you were going to go uh where bubba dies in his arms on uh on the beach in uh vietnam mm, no that no? seems yeah no. <laughs> no not a fan not really all right Fair enough. You're uh, entitled to your opinion. Uh, thank you. Your stupid opinion. <laughs> oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. All right. Um, I, I believe we're on to your number one now, if we're done with Forrest Gump. I'm, hold on. I'm just writing down timestamps so where I know where to edit out everything you say so this yeah. just becomes the manual movie podcast. Perfect. All right. <laughs> uh, okay, my number one. Yes. Let's go with a... 1988 nomination for best actor his name is josh haskins in the movie big i have seen this movie not since i was a kid like i watched this with my dad a long time ago and yeah obviously it didn't make my list for that reason but mm -hmm. from what i understand this is a tom hanks classic it 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 truly is and this is a movie i grew up on um it's uh, directed by Penny Marshall. Uh, little trivia note, this is actually the first movie to ever make $100 million that was directed by a woman. Um, it's written uh, by Gary Ross uh, and Ann Spielberg. Um, 
Gary Ross is a, a fantastic director. He also directed uh, a movie I love called Seabiscuit. Um, but uh, big. Uh, after wishing to be made big, a teenage boy wakes the next morning to find himself mysteriously in the body of an adult. Um, there was a ton of these kids in uh, adult body movies going around at this time, uh, or old people going back into young bodies. It was it was a big movie trope uh, at the time. But this one, um, the this... one from my childhood was Freaky Friday. I watched that movie a bunch. Yeah, Freaky Friday. <laughs> <As a child. laughs> uh, probably one of your age is uh, shit. Thirteen again? Fourteen again? I can't remember. Again, that's with Jennifer uh, Garner. Uh, Thirteen going on thirty. Thank you. Um, <laughs> But this one's different. This one has a lot of heart, and this this is kind of what really launched uh, Tom Hanks um, big time. This was his first Oscar nomination. Um, he uh, okay. Well, there's a bit of backstory. This and and this is gonna blow. I, I, how many times have you watched this movie? Once, twice. I think I've seen it once, probably. Once. Okay, so maybe the, maybe twice. The part was originally going to be played by Robert De Niro. Really? Yeah, but he, he turned it down when they wouldn't pay his six million dollar price tag. Huh? So Tom Hanks did it for two million dollars. Interesting. So, um, he when this came out, um, I think it's a twelve year old boy or maybe a thirteen year old boy. That's how old I was when this movie came out. So this was literally like a wish fulfillment for me because when I was this age, I was fucking tiny. I was, if I'm lucky, when I was 13, I was maybe four foot six. Like I was minuscule and I always wanted to be bigger. So watching this movie at this time was literally like, who's been inside my head? And then seeing all the cool things he did in his adult, I'm like, I want to do all these things. Um <laughs> Uh, Hanks, the way Hanks acted and the choices he made or the choices that the characters made in this movie are exactly the same things I would have done as a 13-year-old boy. And so this movie really resonated with me, and I've grown up with this movie my whole life, and this is why it's my favorite Tom Hanks performance because it really means a lot to me. Um, it's actually I, – I really wanted to rewatch this to get ready for this, and I really wish I – I I had because mm -hmm. I probably would have I probably just would have broken down and cried from sheer joy of watching this again. Uh, it's been a long time. Um, There's so just not enough time in the world to watch all the good Tom Hanks movies that we could have no. talked about. Like I had originally planned uh, with my roommate to watch The Green Mile and we didn't get around to it, and then uh, Captain Phillips I didn't get around to, and of course Big I didn't get to watch, which is probably should be high on my priority list given the best acting nom and the fact that I haven't seen it probably since I was about, you know, 12 years old. But yeah, uh, <laughs> if we had watched everything, every great acting performance Tom Hanks has ever given, we would have no free time whatsoever. So true. And we have to start prepping for the other ones that require homework too. Oh God. <laughs> I know. Um, which you'll have an extra week to do because we're not recording an episode next week. That's right. That's correct. Or maybe which also I, works out perfectly because it's because you're leaving, isn't it? But yeah. I also realize that I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm going to Hawaii. <laughs> maybe we'll do a Hawaii episode. Who knows? <clears throat> Top five Hawaii. Top five episode. movies based in Hawaii. Uh, number one, Jurassic oh, Park. 
Wait, just side note, are you going to the big island of Hawaii, perchance? Have you heard what's going on in Hawaii right now? I have, and yes, I am going to that one. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> well, <laughs> bring uh, bring some cold clothing, because apparently it's getting a little bit hot there. I know, right? <laughs> anyway. I've always wanted to see lava. I didn't want to see it that close. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, we should watch Volcano this weekend. Oh, goddamn, yes. <laughs> okay, we're getting off topic. Um, yes. Josh Haskins, um, there's so many great scenes um, and so many that really hit home. Uh, again, you said uh, Tom Hanks, one of the strengths of this of his as an actor um, is his crying. And there's a scene, the very first time that he's left alone, him and his best friend go get uh, a hotel room in New York, and he's all by himself. He's a 13-year-old boy in a hotel room in the scary New York City all by himself and he hears gunshots and he hears sirens outside and he's all alone and he just wants his mom and he cries. He just curls up in a ball, makes sure he, he puts stuff in front of the door so nobody can break in, all the kind of things you think of as a kid. How can I keep myself as safe as possible? And he does it and it it's, <clears throat> like I said, every choice he makes as an actor in this movie um, are things that I would have done at that time as a 13-year-old boy. And that's why this is my favorite performance by Tom Hanks. So many fun things, so many great scenes. Um, there's a scene that he first hooks up with a girl, and he's touching her boob, and he's just staring at it, and he's his hands on it, and he's just staring, frozen. I remember that time. and <laughs> I think every guy remembers that time right completely frozen it's unbelievable and um <laughs> he after he gets the job and he's got this big apartment he just he he has a trampoline inside his apartment i always want a trampoline inside my own house <laughs> um it's just uh, it's just so great like and not there's not one time in this movie where i don't believe that there is a 12 year old boy living inside of Tom Hanks's body. He he's and that's so dirty. Um <laughs> yeah, careful. It's a good thing they didn't cast Kevin Spacey for this role, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? And, too soon. Sorry. <laughs> uh, too soon on me. And um his 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 choice for a tuxedo for the black tie affair, the the when he's eating the little hors d'oeuvre, the little corn and he eats it like real corn by nibbling at it. It's just fucking fantastic but for me my favorite scene is the one that everybody knows from this movie it's one of the most iconic scenes in movie history and that's the piano scene at FAO Schwartz for sure now leading up to this uh, according to Robert Loggia, who played um, the CEO of the toy company, on the day they filmed the famous keyboard scene, him and Tom Hanks noticed that doubles dressed as them were on hand just in case the two of them could not make the, dam the dance moves correctly. So it became their goal to do the entire keyboard number without the aid of the doubles. And then they did it. <laughs> That's such a cool bit. I know. And yeah. it's so great. And it's not even... It's not even a powerfully dramatic scene. It's not even. It's just kind of. It's just this really great scene that really shows well, it, off. It's a good character moment too. It's a. It, it's a great it character encapsulates, moment. I mean, the movie is about, like you said, a child in the body of a of a thirty year old, and uh, it, it just it it brings back that sense of child childlike wonder. And, oh, just... and I've always wanted to try and do that myself. 
<laughs> I can't. I think after watching this movie, most people will have that. Oh, hundred percent. Um, so yeah, this is hands down. This, uh, looking back on it, uh, I did have a hard time picking between Josh Haskins and Captain Miller. But as I continue to talk here, this was an easy number one for me. Um, yeah, I know you've only seen it once, so I don't think you would have a favorite scene unless you could think of something. I mean, the keyboard scene is obviously iconic. Um, there's there's one moment that stands out to me that I found really funny as a kid. Uh, that was uh, when the love interest shows up at his apartment for the first time asking to spend the night. And mm. he says, like, what, you mean like a sleepover? And she's like, yeah, sure. And he's like, okay, I get top bunk. And no, he, go, he was, I get to be on top. And she's like, uh. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah that's right. And yeah. then they I immediately cut to the, it's a it's a bunk bed. And she's yeah. laying on the on the bottom, <laughs> all seductively waiting for him. And he comes running at her and jumps on the top bunk. <laughs> yeah. So good. <laughs> Such a good moment. Yeah, that's what stands out to me personally. Sadly, that's what I would have done as a 13-year-old boy too. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so without further ado, I think uh, we're down to our last one. Yeah, your number one, which is my number two. Yeah, that would be the – so the one movie I watched today was Philadelphia, and then the other movie for Tom Hanks that I watched this week was number one, Saving Private Ryan. Uh. I take every chance that I can to watch this movie. I watch it pretty much every Remembrance Day when I can. And then probably another once or twice a year. I mean, this movie is one of my absolute favorites of all time. It's just a brilliant, brilliant movie. Um, I, again, dropped the ball and forgotten to look up the IMDb plot synopsis. I got it. (laughs) You have it again? Yep. You're just saving my ass all day. All right, you go for it. Um, 1998, Saving Private Ryan. Uh, it's directed by Steven Spielberg, written by Robert Rodat. Um, following the Normandy landings, a group of U.S. soldiers go behind enemy lines to retrieve a paratrooper whose brothers have been killed in action. All right, so I feel like I should even say off the bat, uh, if we're going to be choosing favorite scenes from this movie, I feel like we should just exclude um, Omaha Beach. <laughs> I, I don't know if we are going to do that. This was the other one I was going to say, by the way. So, like, I thought when you said, when we were talking about favorite scenes, my first thought was Omaha Beach, and then the next one was uh, the opera scene from Philadelphia. I tried to, when picking favorite scenes, I, I tried to, with exception, obviously, with Forrest Gump, because I just kind of do that one on the spot. With my uh-huh. favorite scenes, I tried to pick ones that were my favorite scenes, since this is about Tom Hanks' performances. Yes. With, yes. Again, like I said, the one I had the problem with was Road to Perdition, which I mentioned prior off-camera or mm-hmm. off-mic with you. Um, so I just picked it because it's visually stunning. For this one, though, my favorite scene actually does have to do um, with uh, Tom Hanks' performance. Outside yeah. of Tom Hanks' performance, easily the Normandy Beach has got to be the highlight of this film. Yeah, I mean, the Normandy Beach scene is one of the most iconic moments in film history, so... I, I would say that's the best scene, but yeah, yeah. as far as Tom well, Hanks well, goes, his acting in that scene is also very good, but yes. yeah, I, yeah, it's not what makes that scene great. And we will be talking about this movie down the line. Certainly will be. I, what a, that'll, be an, that'll be an interesting episode. I'll tell you right now, as a warning to our listeners and to you, when we revisit the 1998 Oscars, there's no way that that show is going to be under two hours. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing... Too. I'm guessing it's going to be about three because yeah. that fucking year is unfucking believable. Anyway, and that was Shakespeare in Love's year, right? Yes. <laughs> Interesting. That year is. F- oh, I don't want to talk about it. 
Let's move, let's move on to the performance because that year those five films are fucking unreal. I, I and I don't even hate Shakespeare in Love, but out of the five films nominated that year, that was easily the number five. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what do you think of uh, the shaky hand <coughs> Tom Hanks does in this movie? I'm I'm intrigued because I've seen this movie a lot, and I'm still not totally sure. I don't want to say why it's in there because I know why it's in there, but yeah like why why do you think it's in there what do you think the addition of the shaking hand adds to the movie because throughout this movie whenever there's a shot of tom hanks hands they're always is it supposed to be insinuating that he has parkinson's or that he's already has onset ptsd or like what is going on i did not in any way shape or form ever think it was parkinson's i thought it was i thought it was we call it ptsd um but it's back then it was called shell shock right exactly Um, so I, I think it's shell shock. Um, yeah. Somebody had pointed out to me that it was uh, Parkinson's, and I, I just wanted to get your opinion on it because I uh, did not agree with that in the slightest. I don't, think, I, I don't understand yeah. why everyone would, would even begin to think it was Parkinson's. Believe me, I know. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so he's, he's, got, uh, he's got shell shock right off the bat and continues to battle through it, which already is just such a small thing. Obviously, he would have worked with Spielberg, one of the greatest living directors, if not or one of the best directors of all time. They probably would have uh, come up with that idea together, but it's just a really nice addition right off the bat to add to the depth of the uh, of the character. I thought. Hundred percent. Just before we move on, and, and since I've done it, I, sh- I I should have looked into it big. Um, there was two other people that were considered for this role. Would you like to know who they were? I would. Okay, the first one, and again, these two people would have these made. These were a... offered. I should. I'm sorry to interrupt you, yep. but uh, these were offered before Tom Hanks, Correct. or they were. Considered alongside Tom Hanks. Uh, no, these people were considered, not okay. offered. I see. Um, I could look into it and see if they were actually offered, but these were the other two people that were considered, and they would have made this movie completely different. And again, yeah. I don't think. Well, one of them I think would have been. I, I think one of them would have been okay. The other one I dislike. So the one that I dislike, um, that I think I I I, I don't want to say he'd ruin the movie, but I I don't think it would hold as high as good. And that's Harrison Ford. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't have been a bad movie. Harrison Ford definitely isn't a bad actor, but he's not a bad again, actor. But I, I can't think it's of a just time an iconic movie. I can't imagine Tom Hanks not being in this movie. Like, I, I can't I, imagine for him. Agreed. The other person that was that was considered for this role, and I think would have done a good job. It just would have been a, a little different of a character. He's got he's got a little stink on him now, but this is before the stink came. So he, it would have. So you got you got to think pre stink on this okay, guy, right? But Mel Gibson. Right. Is this pre-Stink from Mel Gibson? I guess it would have been. Oh, yeah, this is way before Stink. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can see, I mean, I could see Mel Gibson being in this movie, just not on the American side. (laughs) His ideology more lines up with uh, with the enemies. See? (laughs) See? You're thinking Stink. You're thinking post-Stink. You gotta think pre-Stink. Pre-Stink. I'm sorry. Get your your bias out of here. I told you you gotta think pre-Stink. Mel Gibson is not separable from the stink. It's, it's it's like watching American Beauty now. Like it's it's no. a great movie and I have rewatched it, but like Kevin Spacey having sex with a minor in that movie or nearly having sex with well, a minor. Well, that's in that because movie. that's what Now we're getting off topic. But since you're going to go there, I'm going to go there too. You I can I can let go of I can let go of stink. You oh, throw I can you, absolutely I well, can absolutely the, separate the artist from the art. But that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> that's exactly what you're saying because you just no. made the joke about Mel Gibson Kevin being Spacey, that movie, you that made movie the joke about exists. Mel Gibson American. being on the Nazi side when this was 
this movie was made pre-stink. You wouldn't let go of the stink. And then you throw the Kevin Spacey thing about having sex with a minor because that's what he's accused of. But American Beauty already has Kevin Spacey's performance in it. Saving Private Ryan does not have Mel Gibson's performance in it because he was never given the role. Fine. So that's like looking that's like looking at Braveheart and not liking it because of what Mel Gibson's done. There are no there are no Jewish people in that movie. Right. Mel Gibson probably saw to it. <laughs> okay, we're moving on. <laughs> Sorry, probably getting in trouble this episode. Whatever. Um, so yeah, the, the handshaking, um, a nice little character, um, piece that they added into it. His leadership is never in question. Um, um, part of that, um, comes across on screen. Um, the actor, uh, the actors all had to undergo an intensive pre-shoot six day boot camp during which all of them, but one voted to quit as they found it too hard to endure. Wow. The one dissenting voice was Tom Hanks. Who awesome. thoroughly enjoyed the experience. Naturally, his vote his vote counted the most, so the rest of the actors were obligated to complete their training. Mm-hmm. The only person that was excluded from the training was Matt Damon. He uh, was excluded, because... so because the others all went through it together, created a bond. So when Matt Damon showed up on set, he wasn't part of the team. I see. That's actually not the worst idea. That's a very smart Spielbergian decision. The guy's a fucking genius. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah his... we do have to eventually get to a Spielberg episode one day. But I'm gonna have to start watching for that months in advance. Yeah. If if we're gonna do Spielberg, I think that we should plan it months in advance and make an actual effort to watch as many of his films as possible. But we're getting off the subject of Tom Hanks. So again, Tom, <clears throat> Tom Hanks. Um, like I said, the handshaking, the leadership, um, his quiet voice. He he rarely, outside of the, I guess, the action scenes, um, he doesn't need to yell. Um, he has this presence about him uh, in this film, and he has earned um, the respect of his, his squad and his actors. Um, mm-hmm. You can tell, and it it's just comes across as on screen, everything about... Um, Tom Hanks being in charge and being the leader um, just exudes from him um, throughout this film. Uh, again, Tom Hanks playing somebody with an amazing moral compass. Um, I, I, I just fucking love this character and this movie. Um, I, as far as him having an amazing moral compass goes, I completely agree. But it's sort of when I was talking about uh, the concept of a Mary Sue earlier, just a character who has no flaws whatsoever. That's not Tom Hanks in this movie. Like the, in particular, the decision that they make to uh, storm the German strongholds uh, or storm a German base when they're, they could easily outflank it. They can outmaneuver it. And he insists that uh, our objective is to win the war. We need to take these guys down, even though we, we could totally slip through undetected. Yep. Yeah. That results in, one of the best death scenes in movie history, in my opinion, from Giovanni Ribisi, who's also a Scientologist in real life, unfortunately. What? Um, He's a Scientologist? Yeah, yeah, you didn't know that? Oh, that breaks my yeah, heart. Yeah, it's upsetting, eh? Oh. I'm sorry, I just ruined Giovanni Ribisi for you. Oh. <laughs> Mother. But yeah, what, that, that decision you can feel the consequence of. The, like, Tom Hanks is absolutely not a perfect leader, and they make a good point of developing his character that through the movie, he's, he's really just a school teacher who's just tossed into a situation that he had to adapt to 
and he has a great monologue at one point about how he's worried his wife won't even recognize him and about how he won't be able to explain to her the stuff that he had to do and the stuff that's weighing on his conscience and he'll just be unrecognizable to her Mm. and there's so many good character moments like that so as far as him having a great moral compass goes it's completely correct it's just i love that sometimes it points him in the wrong direction and he needs to deal with the choices that he makes yeah his his moral compass is so strong that it leads to some very unfortunate results for some people and that scene that you're talking about is is the perfect example of it um you can see the one moment where his moral compass actually gets away when they find all the dog tags and they're Mm -hmm. having fun and they're making fun of the names and they find a dog tag with a bullet hole through it and they're all cracking jokes and you can Mm -hmm. see tom hanks is kind of enjoying it a little bit and then giovanni rubisi yeah giovanni rubisi notices what's going on and then tom hanks looks up and he sees the looks from all the other soldiers and he kind of snaps back into reality that what they're doing is morally wrong and almost ethically wrong as well and it's it's a great little it's a great little slip up and it's just another little character moment and it's it's all in the facial expressions and the body language of tom hanks that stands through um that just make this performance fucking unreal yeah side note i watched this movie with uh my roommate this week who had never seen it before (laughs) and uh actually like that the scene where uh giovanni rabisi dies was obviously a shocking one to him or an emotional one to him but my favorite moment of the night was uh, at the, near the beginning of the movie, just hearing beside me, holy fuck, that's Vin Diesel. <laughs> and just, I'd, I'd forgotten that, I mean, I knew that Vin Diesel was in it, obviously, because I'd seen this movie a bunch of times, but I forgot what a shock that must be to first-time viewers, given Vin Diesel's uh, current reputation. Yes, yes. <laughs> Um, and he wasn't even Vin Diesel back then, right? It no, was, he was uh, Vin Diesel. He's always been. He's always been Vin Diesel in Hollywood. Oh, I thought I thought Vin Diesel was a stage name. No, yeah. it is. It, it's not his real name, but that's he's that that's been his name in Hollywood. I see. I okay. don't know. I don't know what his real name is, but he he's listed as Vin Diesel, and right. that and that's where I that's where I discovered Vin Diesel. Um, mm-hmm. He kind of went downhill for me after he got on the Fast and Furious, um, but <laughs> um, I remember. Like the I. Re- I don't think I've seen the pacifier, um, <laughs> but one of the things actually, and again, we're getting off Tom Hanks, but about Vin Diesel, um, when I saw this movie, I fucking loved it. I wanted to win Best Picture, and there's a there was an interview with Vin Diesel at that time, um, where he said, um, and this, the, I, if I'm not mistaken, the movie came out in August. He told everybody, uh, he's like, "I'll see you at the Oscars." That's yeah. how. And and that was like in the 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 press for the movie leading up to the release. He's yeah. like, "That's how good this movie is." He's like, "I'll see you guys at the Oscars," and he wasn't Absolutely. wrong. No. <laughs> um, where where do you want to go from there? Um, so we've already touched on Omaha Beach. We've touched on uh, some of the character moments throughout the middle of the movie. Um, there is actually a really good moment I wanted to touch on as well where they're walking with the, the squads and they're all complaining to him about the mission, like talking about how uh, how foobar it is and uh, and how much they just don't want to go rescue this guy and the way he handles it as a leader, talking about uh, how they're, they're asking him, 
if he was to complain about this or if he was to talk about this mission to his superior officer, what would he say? And he goes on some rant like, I would say, this is a fine mission, sir. And uh, furthermore, I'm more than happy to lay my life on the line and yada, 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 yada. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's... it's such a really good moment. You can see all of the, the all of his guys really appreciate the, the sarcasm, but also take it to heart what he's trying to say. And it's it's just a perfect response. Yeah, totally. Um, another huge moment for me, um, and it's part of the lore or the trivia of this movie. Um, for those that have seen it, there's this really great scene uh, in Ramel right near the end where uh, Matt Damon is talking about the very last time that him and all of his brothers were together. And it's, mm-hmm. a, <clears throat> it's a really great, amusing story, perfectly told by Matt Damon. And then... Also, uh, parts of which I've heard are improvised, by the way. I don't yeah, know if that's factual. Yeah, the story, uh, from what I've read, the story is improvised, and that's yeah. why it comes across as so real. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can see as they keep cutting between Matt Damon and then back to Tom Hanks' face as he's listening to the story, he's giving that little, that little, I'm amused by your story smirk, or mm-hmm. I, I remember when I was young kind of look and all that kind of stuff. You know, the yeah, look I give you all the time. about his brother hooking up with a girl, right? Yeah. yeah. And how they interrupt it. Yeah. And then after he's finished the story and Matt Damon recovers from laughing so hard, he tells or he asks Tom Hanks, he's like, what about you? Like, what do you remember from home? Or what's your favorite memory from home? And there was supposed to be a great big monologue, Mm -hmm. but Tom Hanks just – he he knows that his character wouldn't share it. So he's like, nope. He's like, I'm going to save that one for myself. Because when uh, the scene starts with Matt Damon asking Tom Hanks, he's like – I can't see my brother's faces. I'm trying to visualize it. <clears throat> and Tom Hanks says, oh, you, you have to picture it in context. Like, when I think about my wife, I think about her uh, in the Rose Garden. That's the memory of her I have. And then after when Matt Damon's done telling his story, he says, what about you, Captain? You want to tell me about, uh, you want to tell me about your wife in those Rose Gardens? And he says, no, that one's just for me. Yeah. It's, it's oh, such a well-acted moment. Oh, it's, so, so good. it's just so perfect. You're and... telling me that was improvised as well? Like, he was supposed to have a monologue? Yes, he was supposed to have a monologue. Holy shit. <laughs> I know. It just, it just leans right into the brilliance of this man. Wow. So uh, I, I guess, you know, we've touched on the big parts of it. Um, why don't we just finish up with our, uh, with our favorite scene? Um, it, it's tough for me. I actually hadn't. I'd written a couple down, um, and we've touched on a few of them just, just right now. For me, it's after um, they they take over the German stronghold and after Wade dies, and he uh, he ends up sobbing. He has to he has to convince one of his men to stick around. But while they're all arguing about what to do with the one German soldier who survives, uh, Tom Hanks a makes him dig his own grave, and or maybe he's making him dig the grave for uh, Wade. I can't remember yeah, exactly. Yes, he, he he makes him he makes him dig he he makes him dig the grave for wade and then he does dig another grave as well yeah exactly so but while he's in the middle of all that and he's acting like mr tough guy uh he does show the other side of himself when he takes a moment to himself and uh and just starts sobbing and again it's the it's the great crying moments from tom hanks he's one of the all-time great criers and it's it's a good little moment he has to himself and the feeling of him trying to resist it or at least make it go away because like when he before he starts crying he's looking over his shoulders to making sure he's fully alone as soon as he realizes he's fully alone he just breaks down and then after a few seconds it only lasts a few seconds but he he wipes the tears away and uh, and goes back to solve the problem and it's just a small small moment and it's beautiful that was my pick too 
<laughs> you and I usually are on the same wavelength. For yeah, all those we things. pretty much are. Yeah. Um. So that pretty much wraps up our uh, our list of our five favorite Tom Hanks performances. I hope to I uh, hope to hear from our listeners on uh, which ones that they uh, they liked and and how much they agree or disagree with with our mm-hmm. picks. Um. Like we mentioned uh, earlier, there will not be an episode next week uh, as I'll be taking a vacation in Hawaii to see my uh, one of my best friends Chad's uh, wedding. Um, there are some uh, volcanic eruptions going on on the island I'm going to as well as some earthquakes, so this could be our last uh, podcast episode ever. <laughs> yeah. That's some unfortunate timing right there, isn't it? A little bit. little yeah. bit. <laughs> I like how you, you think of you, too. You're just like, oh, this might be my last podcast. Like, how do you think they feel? Like, <laughs> they planned their wedding for the weekend where it's uh, volcano season. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was talking to him earlier yeah. today. By the way, kudos to you for uh, fighting through that cough all night. <laughs> it's been rough. There's been times, I don't I don't know if it comes across, but I would if I, if I could get there in time, I... I would turn oh. them. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, while, while I would turn the microphone off, while like Manny's right there. coughing fit over there, I would like to thank all of you for listening to the po- the Samuel Manuel Movie Podcast. It's always an absolute treat. I'll thank you on behalf of my podcast partner. If you like, you can uh, follow us on Facebook uh, on the Samuel Manuel Movie Podcast page. Uh, you can like share subscribe all of our posts on there as well as rate and review on itunes it does help us get our profile up there so please go ahead and do that uh anything i missed there no you nailed it fucking a (laughs) i knew i was good for something around here i know right uh (laughs) so for the samuel emmanuel movie podcast uh thank you we'll see you guys in a couple weeks and i'm manny manuel i'm sam reimer adios